Hello friends and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today I'm going to talk to you about some of the ways that a trauma bond can look at the end of the time when you're breaking with them or a little bit more of an in-depth look into the person who's harming you is the only person who can help you or ways that we sort of run to our abuser when we are feeling triggered or sad or hurt even though they're really not that helpful in terms of helping us feel better in those moments. Um, before we dive in, first of all, I want to give a little disclaimer. I'm at the public library. Uh, my child is homeschooled and we're trying out a little homeschool program so that he can be around other kids and um, sort of learn in another environment that's not just from me. And so I'm trying to make the most of my time so that when he is home, then I can really focus on him. Of course, if you follow me, you know that I'm a single mom. Um, and I have a several careers, so I am very just all over the place these days. So I apologize. I am talking with like a very kind of like a quieter voice than normal, I guess, when I'm like in my room ranting and raving. So, and I'm also just like not that comfortable. So <laughs> we're going to try to make it work. Um, so yeah, bear with me on that one. Um, and let's go ahead and do our struggles and successes. Um, and this is something that I wasn't sure that I was going to talk about. I don't think I'll make any content about it because I have a feeling that if I do, uh, it'll be a whole thing. Not really. It'll be, anyway, let me just tell you what happened. I ran into my abuser for the first time. I, what I'm saying is I don't know if I'll make content about this for a while because, um, when I saw them, um, I didn't want to immediately go and be like, well, everyone, I ran into my abuser. This happened. Um, this is how I felt. This is what it was like or whatever. Um, and make content because I had a feeling that if they are watching me or someone that they know is watching me, uh, that person would immediately go and be like, oh, she's making content or like, oh, she saw you and she had to tell everybody and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I don't want to do that. I may eventually talk about it in another form just to like share my experience and how it went. But um, the struggle was that I saw them and the success was that I was not bothered by it. And so the reason why I'm sharing it here is because obviously it's a little bit less public. I don't know if they listen to my podcast, but they're more likely to just like stalk a page and be like, oh shit, didn't post about me. Okay, whatever. Um, but I want you all to know that, you know, it's been like 15 months or so. It might be almost to 16 months. Um, and I kind of always expected that it would happen because we live in a similar area. We don't live in the same town anymore, but I spend a lot of time in the town where they live. It's a bigger, it's like a city. Um, so the odds are, I probably won't see them. And I've been coming here for over a year. Um, but when I first would come here, I had my, my head on a swivel and I was always looking for their car and looking for like, are they going to be in this public space that I'm in? And when I saw them, um, I saw them slightly a split second before they saw me and I just looked at them and they looked at me and they turned around and walked away and that was it. Um, and I was very calm. Like I said, I had a second to be like, oh yeah, that's definitely them. Okay, here we go. Um, but I was very proud of myself because, you know, when I first was thinking about what if I run into them, I was very scared. I was scared that I would be scared. I was scared that I would react to seeing them and then like maybe get re-triggered and have physical pain and, you know, bad dreams and all of that stuff. But enough time has passed and I've done enough work that this person doesn't have 
much power over me anymore. Obviously seeing them didn't harm me and it amazed you. And if that happens and you see them, that's okay. That's part, you know, we're all on different journeys and I don't want you to compare yourself to me. Um, of course, they still are going to have um, things that they did in the past that are going to pop into my brain and bother me and, and I'll come on here and talk about it and whatever. But physically seeing them in person, I was like, okay, yeah, and they left and it was fine. So um, not much of a struggle, but a little, so I guess, an overcoming of what I thought was a struggle, which is really cool. And so I hope for that for all of you eventually, or maybe you just never see them again, which is awesome. That would be the preferred thing, right? Um, the preferred thing would be not to have to run into them ever again, whether it's fine and you're just like, yeah, I'm at this coffee shop and then they just leave or whether you don't see them. Anyway, let's dive in. So I recently met with um, Andrew Sacchetti, who is one of my favorite people on Twitter. He tweets a lot about uh, coercive control um, and he's going to be on my podcast. We met to sort of talk about what we want to talk about. I really want to share more about his story. He's a lot bigger on Twitter than I am, um, but I would like to amplify his voice in other spaces. And I think that he has a really awesome story to share. Um, and especially being a fellow queer person and um, having a little bit of a, you know, a different situation than what I had, but still being able to share his story and sort of validate and support other queer folks and non-queer folks. Uh, but we were talking and we were just kind of, he was, you know, sharing a lot of his story and I remembered some things um, that I had forgotten. And um, we were talking about, um, you know, the way that we look to these people in times of stress, in times of like you would with a normal partner or like with a parent, if you have a healthy relationship with a parent, or even if you don't, sometimes you're going to call your mom because you want comfort and you want support and validation and she's not going to give it to you or your dad or your sibling, right? They're not going to give it to you. They're just going to be like, well, you know, at least it wasn't this or, well, I had something happen to me that was way worse. Um, and that's not very helpful, right? But what happens is like a lot of times when we're in a trauma bond with somebody, um, we know that they harm us. We don't really understand why, um, you know, a lot of times we still have empathy and we're still projecting our goodness, our ability to change, our ability to love on them. And so we're still in it. We're still going. Um, and I recall specifically several times that I reached out to them for help and it wasn't helpful. And so I'm going to share um, a couple of those moments just to kind of, again, to validate you if this is something that you do or have done. And to help you see that this is this is a normal part of being in a trauma bond. And also, of course, as you know, that we want to work towards not being in that trauma bond anymore because it's a yucky feeling. It's one of many yucky feelings that we have while we're trauma bonded to an abusive person. My first example is going to be when my car broke down. Um, and I did share, I have an entire episode and I believe it's called The Day My Car Broke Down or something like that. This was probably from a couple of months ago. And I was an hour away and I called them and it was like, my car broke down. I need help. And they didn't help me. Um, so that was very frustrating. I felt very alone. I'm going to keep this one kind of short because I already did a whole episode about this, but, um, eventually they ended up getting mad because my son's dad is the one who came to pick me up because I didn't have any way to get home. And he is the one who eventually took me, no, maybe they took me to finally get my car that day. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, I probably could recall that, but he picked me up. He helped me realize that I didn't have to buy a car the same day that my car died, that I could, you know, take some time to think about what I wanted to do and all that stuff. And then when I came home, 
they made it about them. They were like, I had such a bad day. And I was like, I literally just spent eight hours stranded. Um, and I don't have a car anymore, but, um, cool. I comforted them. Um, and so, yeah, that's just an example of like, you are going to the first, per first person that you think of in a moment of crisis is the person who's absolutely not going to help you and probably going to make it harder for you. The second example is when I was visiting my friend in Boise, Idaho, which is where I lived before I moved to Washington. Um, and this was in like February of 2021. Um, and if you don't know the timeline, we broke up in August, but we still lived together. And then I mm, physically left, I left the state in early October of 2021 and went no contact uh, mid-October 2021. It was February and I'm with my friend and um, she, you know, she's been a long time friend and uh, my abuser went out that night and I never heard from them again. Um, they didn't text me. I didn't know if they made it home safe. I, um, I remember at that time I had already started to really see that this wasn't healthy. This wasn't normal. I think all of 2020, I was still grasping and still trying to, um, to make it work and doing whatever I could to figure out like what was wrong with me. And some of that was still going on in 2021, but I had a lot more moments of clarity. Um, and this was right, right before I chose to quit drinking because I noticed that I was using a lot of alcohol to cope with the things that I was uh, experimenting, experiencing at the time, excuse me. Um, that was in March. For the whole month of March, I didn't drink any alcohol. Um, and that was really helpful. I maybe should do a whole episode on that. Um, I think that as survivors, while we're in it, we do have a lot of coping mechanisms to, to, to survive and get through those times. And being able to stop doing those things like cut back and even quit with the coping mechanisms really did help me to be able to see things more clearly because I wasn't seeking out something that would numb my feelings or fog my brain even further about what was really going on so yes I would love to talk about that a little bit more but I need to get back on track for where we're going today um so yes so February um I was having a great time with my friend and then my my abuser just like disappeared and I didn't reach out to them. I remember, you know, normally I would reach out to them and I've talked about this before where I'd be like, did you make it home safe? What's going on? Where are you? Um, I have a lot of, um, like, I still worry about my son's dad. If, if he's going on a trip and I haven't heard from him that he's landed or if like, if I know that he's getting home like extra late, I'm like, is he okay? Is this normal? Um, he's a pilot. So he flies a lot. And, um, that's sort of worries me. He's my son's dad. Um, but also I lost my dad when I was 13. He was alive in one minute and then he was gone. So he, he just, he didn't come home at night. And so a lot of times, you know, this is one of my things where, um, it's funny because I don't ask my friends to text me every day when they go home from work. But if you're leaving my house or we're leaving a place where we are together, I want to know that you made it home safe. Um, and that's just something that I have. Um, and a lot of us have that. I think it's pretty reasonable. And so in the past, you know, I would be like, where are you? Are you coming home? What's going on? Are you safe? Um, and I think that they liked that. I think they liked, you know, that I would call and text and quote unquote, go crazy, um, trying to get them to come home or figure out where they were and all that stuff. And this time I didn't, um, and I didn't hear from them for like 12 hours. Like it went on like half, half of the next day. And this is actually the second time that that had happened. Um, but the first time was like 2020 and sometime and I ended up just going back home and probably just acting like something, you know, that nothing had happened, that that was normal to just not talk to your partner for that long. And, and like one of them was like out and like doing who knows what looking back, they probably were cheating on me. They were probably, um, you know, seeking out somebody who's on their supply shelf, which I do feel bad for saying that because 
you know, obviously to them, we are supply, but I do see all of us, everyone who they were with before me, the one person who I know they were with after me as people who are hurting and who were hurt by the same person. Um, and so I don't like to use the word supply like that, but that's essentially what it is. I'm sure that they were cheating on me or doing something. Um, but I don't know, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, but I ended up breaking the streak of not talking to them. Cause I was kind of like, you know, I, I woke up and I told my friend, I was like, I haven't heard from them. And she was like, yeah, this like just isn't normal. Like if my husband didn't, didn't come home or if my, you know, the person that I lived with and was like having a life with just didn't come home, you know, I'm on a trip. I'm supposed to be having a good time, not worried about whether they're alive or not, or whether they're, you know, I didn't necessarily have the time to like, they're probably cheating on me, but of course it's like, that's really yucky to do that to someone. And so I was like, really like I had this resolve and I was like, yeah, I gotta make some changes. Like this isn't good. And then we were walking, we were on a walk and we had, um, our kids and, um, she had her dog with her and I'm going to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Cause I have a trigger about dogs biting other dogs. Um, but that happened. Another dog came running out and bit her dog and her dog is, is just the sweetest soul. And he just kind of was like, why are you biting me? This dog, like busted out, beelined it, bit her dog. And I started yelling at the guy and I was like very triggered. And I was like, you need to take care of your dog. You know, your dog's going to kill another dog someday because my dog was killed by another dog. And I was very upset and I was shaking. Um, and the person just like, wasn't very kind. I was like, what the hell? And my friend was like, you know, it's okay. Let's go home. Um, and I ended up like, you know, crying. I was just really upset for her. I was upset for her dog because I was like, what if, what if crash, is different now. What if his personality changes? He's like this big, sweet golden retriever who's good with kids, he's good with people, he's good with dogs. Like he's just like the happiest guy. And I was like, what if he's ruined now because he just got attacked while he was minding his business with his family? I was just really upset. And of course it brought back memories for me from what I, I mean, I saw the, the attack happen with my, with my dogs. So, um, I called them, I called them like right then and there, as soon as the other dog was gone and I was crying and they picked up and they were like, what's going on? And like, they actually did comfort me. They were like, oh yeah, yeah. But I wanted to give that example because this is an example of, again, the way that it's like, I'm in this moment. Like the first one with the car, it was just like, yeah, you know, my car broke down. This is like my partner, you know, maybe they'll help me, whatever. I wasn't, um, like I was not happy with them, but I wasn't in a moment of, clarity a moment of like I need to make some changes I'm pulling back from you kind of thing but this one it was this one it was like whoa my friend is witnessing what's going on she's witnessing how I'm feeling but also I was like being really strong about it because obviously you know they weren't looking me in the eye you know fake crying because I was trying to leave them or whatever so I was just like yeah you know when I get back home I've got to make some changes and then I get triggered about a dog I'm crying panicking and they're the one who I call you know I didn't call my mom I didn't call, I didn't just lay it on my friend who was right there with me and, you know, didn't understand, you know, hasn't, ha doesn't have the same trigger as me, but knew that I had it and, you know, could have, I could have just been like, you know, I'm sorry about that. Thank you so much for being with me through this trigger. I'm glad crash is okay. Whatever. The second one is even weirder because it was in October of 2021 when I had already left. I was at my mom's house. I had passports in my bag. So I knew that I was going to Europe with my son. Um, and that like, after that, like there was no way I was going to go back. Like I was so isolated and trapped with them. Like they would even discourage me from visiting my own mom, let alone taking my three-year-old on a plane by myself to go to Europe. 
Um, and I also knew that I wasn't going to come back for several months. Um, I had an idea of when I was going to come back, but I just, I knew I was going to come back and they didn't know that. Um, and what happened was I got my second COVID vaccine and I got, no, it might have been my first one. Anyway, I got really sick. Like it was like the, the like mini fever thing that a lot of people get where all of a sudden you're dizzy and you're like, your body hurts and you're you like, you're sick for real. Um, I mean, yeah, it was like a mini COVID cause then I did get COVID later on and that was like three or four days of feeling that this was just like the night. Like I was like, all of a sudden, like, I feel horrible. Um, and I just slept it off. Of course I was fine the next day, but I called them and I hadn't spoken to them for a couple of days because I was like tapering off of contact with them. Um, and they were busy, like they were busy lining up the new supply. So they, um, didn't notice, didn't care, or just noticed and was like, well, they'll, they'll, re she'll reach out when she'll reach out soon and it'll be fine. But I called them and I was laying in bed and I was like, I don't feel good. I got my COVID shot. I'm going to be, you know, I have a fever. And they were really kind. Again, they were very kind. They were like, I'm sorry. I know it's okay. Oh, I didn't know you were getting a COVID shot today. You know, whatever. I don't remember what they said exactly. Then I hung up the phone and I was like, you're trying to go into contact and you're trying to break away from this person and you called them because you're feeling sick, even though your mom's right there and your mom's like helping you out. Like your mom's got your kid, you know, playing with your kid and, you know, making sure that he's eating so that you can rest. You know, she's like taking care of him so you can rest. And you called them like you, you broke your little two day streak that you're trying to do. And again, if that happens to you and you, you know, you reach out or you respond to them or whatever, don't beat yourself up, right? We don't want to beat ourselves up because we're just doing the best we can while we're in a trauma bond, which is very hard. Um, but I just was like, why did I do that? Like, why did I, what did I feel like they were going to do? Like, yes, they were actually kind, but was it worth it? And it wasn't worth it. And so, you know, I think it, it was a couple of days later, um, that I went no contact. And of course there were other moments that things came up and, and you think I should reach out to them. I should, you know, because you spent two years or six months or nine years or whatever, telling that person what you're going through and seeking comfort from them, even if at the end of the day, it's not very comforting or it's empty comfort or whatever. Um, and so it is very hard to change that, um, to break that habit, I guess. But I, again, I just wanted to share this with you because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, why? But when you are in a trauma bond, that's the person that you're going to seek out. And again, at the end of the day, it's not very helpful. Um, it's, it, they are not your comfort. We just think they are because of the cycle of abuse and because, you know, they break us and they try to destroy us and they do horrible things to us. And then they're the ones who are quote unquote, fixing us when really they're not, they're fixing us to trick us into thinking that the relationship's not so bad to later tell us how often they're helping us, how often they're there for us and all that stuff. It's not genuine. It's not good. It's not worth it. Um, so I hope that those little stories are helpful to you. It's always helpful to me to be able to process them out loud with all of you and to get your feedback, um, in terms of when you tell me that, yes, you were doing things like that too. Or, um, you know, I am doing that now. Uh, can you help me come up with some ways to stop doing that? And absolutely, yes, I can. That's one of the things that I do as a trauma recovery coach. So 
you know, if you're in this and you're still reaching out to them when you're having a bad moment, oh, another one is when I almost got T-boned. I almost got T-boned. They were out with their friends and my first instinct was to call them. Of course, they were my partner, even though they really weren't my partner. They were abuser. Um, and at that, that time, and I've talked about this before, I believe, but they, they didn't answer. They ignored my calls. Um, even when I was like, I was almost in an accident. I'm really shaken up, like shaken up. Can you, you know, can you just comfort me for a little bit? Like, I just want to be heard right now. Um, and you know, they wouldn't at that, that time they, they refused to comfort me, even though I specifically requested it. So, you know, I was a burden cause they were out with their friends and, you know, weird. I feel like if my partner called me scared and sad, I would take a couple minutes and just be like, hang on guys, you know, this isn't a crazy request to be like, she almost got hit on the side of the car that her son was on. So I just need to give her a couple minutes of my time. Um, and, uh, I'll be right back and we can drink some more beers or whatever, but you know, we're not dealing with reasonable people in these situations. So, um, and that last thing I shared is just another example of how inconsistent people like this are, um, obviously in healthy relationships, like we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to meet our partner where they're at. Maybe there's a lack of communication. So we don't know what our partner wants or, you know, whatever that might look like, but the inconsistency of, you know, one day they are there and they're kind. One day they're calling you a burden. One day you come to them for something and they're just going to add to the problem, right? Um, so definitely want to get away from these people. I know that's why a lot of you are here because you want to get away from these people. So I'll go ahead and wrap this up and remind you that I am a trauma recovery coach and I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I have 30 minute and 60 minute sessions available. Um, so you can pick what might work for you. I've also just put out a brand new package deal. Um, and I think that the package is really important because it really helps you to commit to your freedom and to healing and to making sure that, you know, none of us end up in these kinds of situations again. Um, so I put that out there. If you're ready to commit to that kind of thing and you want to work with me ongoing, I would love to do that with you. Um, and I'm also putting out a text support option for people. Um, and this is more for ongoing clients that I have. If you've met with me before and I know a little bit about your story, then I want to offer text or email support, um, especially if you still live with your abuser and you need to be a little bit more subtle about things. Um, that's an option too. You can go to my website, uh, thelindsaygoodman.com and click on the coaching tab. All four of those options are available. Um, and if you want to do the tech support one, just book like a 30 minute session with me, um, so that I can like know who you are and a little bit about your situation. And then we can go from there. You don't have to do a hundred sessions to get that one, but I can't just start with a tech session because unfortunately I just don't feel like I would know enough about you to be able to start, um, helping you in that situation. Um, and then another thing is that if you are LGBTQ, I have an ongoing monthly support group with my friend Trey, Trey Delatore. Um, we are doing one Saturday a month. It's about a 90 minute session. Uh, you get the, you know, really affordable access to two of us, trauma, trauma recovery, trauma informed coaches, as well as a group of other survivors who are just trying to get through this time like you are. So our hope is that you'll feel seen and validated and heard, um, in ways that our community, unfortunately just doesn't get very often. So, um, that information is also on my website. You can go to the links in any of my bios and trays as well to be able to sign up for the support group. If you like this podcast or if you're on YouTube, please rate, review, subscribe. The more you interact with this content, the more it does get this into the ears of the people who need it the most. Um, and I'll always read your reviews when you leave them. I really appreciate them. 
And um, so to end this up, I want to remind you to do something nice for yourself today. This can be really hard to work through um, and uh, drink some water. And I will be back next week with more.